Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Adam Vingen will not be with us today because he is potentially becoming a father as we speak, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, I will give you any updates that we get. I am not sure if he's going to be back next week or not. He obviously has some very important cargo to take care of at any point during this week or weekend. We're not really sure. So all your best wishes uh, at Adam Vingen, of course. Be thinking about him and his family as uh, they become a a bigger family and they grow by one over the course of, again, whenever you're listening to this, it might have already happened. Who knows? Uh, But he is not going to be with us on the show today. And that is okay because he's becoming a father. We have a great show lined up, though, for you. And I thought we would do this, even if Adam was here, he was planning on being here with me for this. I wanted to take a deep dive into hockey analytics and and not necessarily in like a super nerdy way, but like in an approachable way so that we can learn about as a group, as a collection of Predators fans, what is it about analytics and hockey that works? What's the best stuff to know? How, how is it used? How do coaches use it? And and what are some of the players in on Nashville's roster that maybe uh, you, you know, stand out analytically from a data expert. So I went to Mike Kelly of Sport Logic, which of course is at Mike Kelly NHL, at Sport Logic on Twitter. That's Logic L O G I Q on Twitter. Of course, he's, he does work for the NHL network as well. And we had a very long conversation with him about, about the invention of analytics in hockey, how it is being used by coaching staffs, how fans can use it. We're going to have like a 100-level entry-level class, then it's going to evolve and get a little tougher and a little trickier, and then we're going to finish off with a lot of conversation about Mikhail Granlin and Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg and Roman Yossi and UC Saros and a lot of the young players as well. I think you're really going to like it. It's sort of like an entire college education in hockey analytics in one podcast. So send all your best wishes to Adam Vingen, of course, and as usual, the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers. Jaspers has a great happy hour every single day, four to six, and then something going on six to 10 almost every single day. Burgers and beers, excuse me, on Thursdays, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the day it comes out. Uh, Free parking, great menu, all that great stuff from Jaspers. So make sure you're going to Jaspers to watch all your games, all your football games here over the course of the next couple of weeks as the season gets underway. All right. So I wanted to have a have have like a crash course and get my own PhD in hockey analytics. And I really thought you guys would enjoy this as well. So without any more rambling from me, here was my very long conversation with analytics expert at the NHL Network and at Sport Logic. Of course, you can follow all of him there at Mike Kelly NHL. Here is the great Mike Kelly. Mike, good to see you, man. Welcome to the show. We do appreciate you giving us so much of your time today and an educational tour through the hockey analytics world. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Just uh, enjoying the offseason. How are you? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, now that now that we never have to use the phrase expansion draft ever again, I think everyone's happier uh, about that. So I, I, what I'd love for you to do today and, and, and to provide some people some insight as to sort of how your company came about, the goals that you guys set out to accomplish, how it is, how your product and your information, and your data is used throughout the NHL world and by fans. And then by the end of the conversation, I'd love to be giving some Preds fans some really uh, high quality information about w- learning about their new, some of their new pieces and some of their old pieces as well. So um, let's just start with like, how, how did sport logic come around, come about, what was the goal and, and how can, if you are a beginner, what would you advise people to sort of start, start looking at first? 
Yeah. Okay. So the first question, Sport Logic, um, been around six plus years now. I joined the company about a year after they launched, um, and the company was founded by a former Olympic uh, figure skater, um, as well as our machine learning um, expert as well. And their idea was to, you know, provide analytics for figure skating. And um, the market for that was not sizable enough to sustain a company. So hockey became, you know, pretty logical second uh, choice as well. Um, grew pretty quickly in terms of the teams that we work with, um, and what we do at Sport Logic. The, the way that we track our information is through broadcast feeds, the same way you would watch a game. Um, we have com uh, computer vision tracking system and, and algorithms uh, built in that detect player movement on the ice, what the players are doing. Um, hundreds and hundreds of different events that we track uh, that go well beyond just a shot or a uh, face-off or, or things like that that you would see uh, typically. And uh, yeah, we work with 25 plus teams in the NHL. We are an official data, the official data provider for the Swedish Hockey League. We work with agents. We work in the media, uh, which is where I'm focused as well. Um, so it's been pretty cool to see the growth of analytics in the game itself, but also just in the public sphere and and what we're able to do with it um, in the media to try to bring fans, you know, different views and, and a little bit closer to the game. So I, I knew because I talked to, to Peter Laviolette about this. I don't I have not talking. I have not talking. I have not spoken to John Hines about this. Uh, I'm a professional uh, talker, I promise. Um, and, and, and I know that they were using it. So like what was your when you started to, to get into relationships with coaches, were there guys that were apprehensive about using the data to try to help make personnel decisions or strategy decisions or schematic decisions? And what kind of hurdles did you guys have to overcome? Um, so I, I've in the last year or so, I've talked to a, a lot of coaches, probably more than I have in my life uh, before that. Um, and I, I think it would surprise some people to learn not only how much uh, a lot of coaches use this information to some degree, but but which coaches use it? Um, I think there's probably guys that people might think are a bit more old school um, that are are devoting time and and reaching out and asking questions and wanting to better understand. I, I think there's an understanding that the game is trending in a certain way of how it's analyzed. Doesn't mean that you know you have to become an expert in this field or anything, but um, a base understanding is a good thing to have, uh, no matter you know what your primary evaluation tools or methods may be. So. Um, obviously, look, if there's 32 head coaches in the NHL, there's going to be the guy that's the most invested in analytics and the guy the least and everything in between, right? Um, but for the most part, um, you know, we've seen uh, a real appetite just to, to better understand. And then, you know, where I think the best use of analytics comes in sport in general is being able to weaponize a coach with information that he can then factor into whatever else he's using to, to make a decision uh, and then ultimately make that decision. I don't think it should ever uh, dictate what decisions should be made. I think you can look at baseball as an example, um, where some teams have gone too far down that road, where a, a guy may be throwing a great game in the seventh inning, but we're taking him out because, you know, third time through the order, the analytics say this. Um, I think you can go too far with it. So for me, and it might surprise some people, I guess, coming from quote unquote, an analytics guy, I don't think it's the be all end all. I think it's a really important piece of a puzzle. I think there's coaches that are, you know, incredibly successful and got to where they are by understanding the game, understanding the feel of the game, understanding, you know, situations in a game. Um, 
and it should never dictate, but it, it is such a great tool to help weaponize to make a better decision. No, I, I, I completely agree. I think that sometimes, you know, and this happens on fourth and one in the, in football, this happens on, on a power play in hockey. It happens in, on any given chance. Like sometimes a freakoid athlete just does something that the data can't predict. And I, and I think that's a very appropriate uh, approach. It is incredibly important, but it needs to be taken into account sort of holistically. If, if yeah. we were going to, we were going to talk to some fans that are new to all of this stuff, and they want to be a part of it and they want to learn about their team and, and, and what this actually, this data provides, because we know what it provides to the coaches that they just need all the information that they possibly can to try to make the best educated decision they can to try to predict, you know, the future in that moment. But from a fan standpoint, how would you introduce somebody to what you guys do? That's maybe never seen any of, of, of your information or your data before. Um, so for us, in terms of what we, um, uh, collect and, and provide. I mean, we, we work with different media outlets. So in terms of public facing stuff that people might see with the name Sport Logic attached to it, um, we work with different media outlets uh, and you'll see some of this on broadcast. You'll see some of this in, in writing and print. Um, and, and you'll see some of the metrics that we track things like, you know, how much time does a player have the puck on his stick uh, in a game? How many times does he enter the offensive zone successfully? How many passes does he complete? Um, shots from different locations, et cetera. Um, so that's a service that we provide. Uh, it's not something we don't have a website where fans can go to access the information that's it's proprietary information that we sell. Um, but in terms of getting familiar with it, uh, there, there's, a, would say a handful of kind of high level things that typically the media will use by no means are, are, is, is, you know, public interest or media interest, uh, matched up with, with what the teams are doing because, the teams are they care about way more granular uh, level data than than all people in the in the media all fans want to know really is is this team doing well and why is this team playing poorly why uh same with players right tell me why this guy hasn't scored in 10 games um so we can do that and you'll see things you know like where's a guy taking his shots from obviously how many shots is he getting uh expected goals which is just goal probability based on historical data so if a player hasn't scored in five games and his expected goal total, which is the goal probability of his shots, is high, we can say confidently, we expect this player, if he continues to do this, he will start scoring goals. There's a goalie on the other end, right, that, that can um, make things abnormal sometimes. So, uh, and conversely, if the guy's expected goal total is low, we can say, yeah, you know what, he is in a slump for a reason, because he's not doing X, Y, Z and continue to break it down. Um, so that, that's where I think there's, there's data that we track um, that can give uh, people a really good idea of what a player is, what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are. Same with teams like Roman Yossi. The, his skating ability, you're, you watch the Preds, you know the guy can skate like the wind, right? Fans know that too. Um, when I can show that, you know what, he exits his zone with the puck or he enters the zone with the puck, not only more than any other defenseman, which he has done in recent years, but like a hundred more times than the next best guy on his own entry. That's the kind of thing that just blows you away. You're like, whoa, he's that good. Um, so that's where I think our media or, or our information um, can be used well in the media and just give fans something they haven't seen before that says like, wow, I knew that. Didn't know it was that crazy. Do you believe that that, 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 cause <laughs> we'll get to Matt Duchesne. Um, but do, do you believe that, that, that expected goal differential is the, the, the main statistic that you think fans should learn first? before they sort of start to consume all the other stuff? Is that the one you think is the most important? Uh, 
Sure. In terms of just results, if you're looking beyond just, you know, is your team scoring a lot or giving up a lot of goals, the expected goal total for against differential would be kind of the layer underneath, right? Which is just the process behind it. And if you're a Predators fan and your team is not scoring a lot and you're looking at expected goals and you're like, oh, we're actually really high in this, um, then you can probably infer that they should be scoring more and they likely will score more going forward. If the goal total is low, the expected goal total is low, okay, something's wrong with the way the team's playing or the team can't play to a certain level to be successful. So it can give you that better understanding. Um, And it helps with trends as well, right? Like I said, if you're uh, looking at these things and one doesn't match the other, um, maybe don't go and rip the coach and rip the player right away because if if the expected goal total is positive, um, you know that structurally they're probably playing pretty well offensively. I'll, I'll give you an example with Nashville. So not a great power play, right? Um, I think they were well, they were bottom <laughs> 10 last year, and that's been a problem for a while. Um, their expected goal total on the power play was actually dead last in the NHL. And so you can say, yeah, Nashville didn't have a great power play, probably should have even been a little bit worse. Um, so there's something not really working with the process there. And then if you wanted to go deeper and deeper and deeper. It, it, you said kind of the coaching staffs want to go even more granular and, and I'm not trying to give away, I don't want you to be giving away state secrets here, but I would like to know, like, is there an example of, you know, maybe, in, and maybe there's a, a guy on the Preds that, 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 that a coach, like, give us an example of how granular you're talking about. Like, it, it, you know, is it just offensive zone possessions, you know, on the left side above this point in the, in the, in the offensive zone, like give, give us, try to try to explain what that would look like like what data John Hines is looking at when he makes decisions on that super granular level. Yeah. Well, I I obviously can't speak specifically to whatever any coach may be looking at. It's different everywhere. Um, How granular, I mean, you want to know what percentage of dump in recoveries on cross ice dump ins your team has, like it's in the weeds. uh, We can go (laughs) for sure. I don't even know if, if how many teams would look at something like that, but yeah, we, we go pretty deep into it and, and, you know, really we can quantify just about any event that occurs on the ice around the puck. So if you're watching something with your eyes that's happening, a player blocks a pass, a player wins a puck battle, uh, a player gets to a loose puck, we're tracking all these things and, and quantifying all that stuff. So you, you can go pretty deep with it for sure. Um, you know, what, what coaches may be looking at, again, it, it varies uh, as any evaluation process uh, does from organization to organization, department to department. Um, but yeah, we can go pretty deep into the weeds. <laughs> I do. I, li- I like that the uh, the cross ice dump in wins. I, I think that's fantastic right there. Um, all right. So then if, if the surface level is sort of just, all right, from, based on data, this team is performing maybe above expectations or below expectations. That sort of feels like kind of the, the, the baseline entry point for fans if they want to sort of understand that. And and there's that statistic for baseball. There's that statistic now for football. There's that statistic for, for, you know, basically for every sport. Soccer is, is obviously using, you know, analytics a lot now as well. Yeah. Um, what, what would be sort of the next, like if I wanted to analyze an individual player, what would the next tier down be for those that are interested in going even deeper and want to know more? Because again, I will get to some individual players, but it, is it, what are some of the things that you think people should be studying if they really want to kind of go a little bit deeper into this whole entire world we're talking about here? Yeah. So if, if we're looking at, uh, we're talking about public analytics, what's out there that people can go and access and, and, um, 
kind of learn in, in terms of analytics. Um, there's, you know, some really good stuff being done in the public sphere right now. If you're on social media and seeing some of this stuff, um, there's player cards that will break down kind of a player's impact while on ice, offensively, defensively, et cetera. Um, it's a kind of a good, uh, a good indicator, I'd say overall of player strength and weaknesses. Um, you can look at, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a good public site is natural stat trick, for instance, they've got, uh, you know, some good information in there in terms of just the, the type of offense players are creating, um, what their defensive impacts are when they're on the ice, the way that I would approach it, if I was a fan wanting to get more into this stuff would be to try to separate a little bit, you know, uh, a player who's really good offensively doesn't mean he's that good of a player overall. Um, same with a player who's not great offensively, but is really good defensively. There's value there. So, you know, for me, I, I don't often boil, try to boil it all down to one like number and say, ah, this guy in my model is one, this guy is two because players do different things. They're asked to do different things. They're in different roles. Um, what I'm looking for is, you know, what type of player are we talking about? And let's evaluate that player across, um, you know, similar player archetypes. So if you wanted to compare, you know, Roman Yossi against a very defensive defenseman, who's also very good, you're going to have, you know, different statistics looking pretty wonky across both guys. Right. So, um, that's what I would try to do is I would think through it as a fan is think, um, you know, okay, I want to, I want to kind of go to an analytics site and look at a player, um, just understanding that there's not really one catch all to just give you the overall massive value that is so good that we can just say, yep, that's it. Um, to, to try to break it down into player strengths and weaknesses and you say, okay, I think Yossi's a good offensive defenseman. Let me take a look at that area and compare him against other guys like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a holistic approach, right? Like it's, it and, is. And it, and it sounds very similar to the current regime in Nashville where they like 200 foot players who, who like to play on both ends. And um, as it pertains to that, for example, Mikhail Granlin is a guy that is, is, you know, struggled under Peter Laviolette and has been and absolutely flourished under John Hines. And, and there's, you know, there's a million reasons why that, that could be. And, and there's the personalities and scheme and line mates and all this other stuff. That's not necessarily data driven, but you know, the reason they bring him back two years in a row as a free agent is because he's been the most productive player under John Hines. And he's, he's sort of got this 200 foot game to him. So I'm curious when you look at Nashville predators players, because that's how they speak outwardly about their team, like David Poyle and John Hines, they, they speak openly about we want guys that do a little bit of everything, that holistic mm -hmm. approach you're talking about. Do you see a roster of players that sort of fit that mold analytically, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, well, there's some for sure. Like Nashville's not a team that is ultra, you know, top heavy or driven by a couple of superstars by any means, right? I'd say Roman Yossi is a superstar. Um, given the moves that they've made now, um, like Ryan Johansson is not a superstar. Matthew Shane is not a superstar. Good players, very good players. Um, so it, it's more of a by committee approach. Mikhail Granlund's a really good example of that, of a guy who, um, you know, is really good in front of the net, good scoring around the net. Um, I wouldn't say he's particularly weak at really anywhere. Um, so he's probably in what you're talking about and what they're looking for, a really good example to use. Uh, their whole roster, how does it break down? It's the end of August. I haven't gone into my full deep dive uh, on every team and all the new moves that they made and all that yet. So, to, you know, to be blunt, uh, I'd have to do that first before I could be real confident in giving you an answer. Um, 
But I, I think most teams are looking for that, right? You're you're not going to hear a lot of coaches or GMs say, you know, ah, we really need a guy who's really good <laughs> offensively, and that doesn't matter what he does defensively away from the puck or whatever, right? So, but to to, to your point, they they have balance. Um, I, I think the thing that I would struggle with about Nashville is that that that's kind of that's kind of where they're at. They're they're pretty good. Um, the roster composition, the results, like they're they're in the middle. And if they get in the playoffs, I don't see them going far. And if they don't get in the playoffs, I don't see them getting a high draft pick. So that's a that, you're scary, in, you're that's in that a scary place zone, to be, right? Yeah, you don't want to be living in the middle of that cookie. Um, that's that's kind of where I see where they're at right now. I, I would love a coach just one time to step to the podium and be like, "Man, we are really looking for a one-dimensional player. Like, we just want <laughs> you know, yeah. just hear some brutal honesty. Like, I just want a guy who just stands in front of the net, and that's all he can do." Uh, I, yeah, I would I would love to hear a coach say that. Uh, well, now I will say this: you 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 mentioned Duchesne and Johansson. Those are two guys that obviously are under a heavy, heavy microscope with fans because of their contracts. They have been around a long time, so they're not new pieces necessarily to the Preds. Um, and 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 Matt Duchesne is the one that that drives people nuts because some of his underlying metrics last year in particular said that he probably should have scored more last year. Mm-hmm. And and Johansson is a guy that we see him flip a switch in the postseason, and all of a sudden he looks like the guy that that helped them get to the Cup final in 2017. What what specifically does the data say about those two players and and where fans can expect them? sort of tra- trend to, you know, from a trajectory standpoint. Yeah. Well, so slow starts for both of them last year. And, and I do remember going through that as well and, and looking at, um, you know, expected goals, like uh, are, are they generating good chances? First of all, right. Um, you have to put the puck in the back of the net. I, I get it. But at the same time, if you're creating really good looks, it's, it's not like these guys don't know how to score. Like I'll use Austin Matthews as an example in the playoffs. He had one goal and something, what, 30, 35 shots or whatever in that opening round loss to Montreal. He knows how to score. He got a ton of chances, a higher rate even than he did in the regular season where he led the league in goals. What more are you going to ask this guy to do? Um, at the end of the day, you got to get it done, right? Fair enough. So Johansson and Duchesne, um, yeah, no, I, I, the underlying numbers for Duchesne in terms of um, expected goals, et cetera, wasn't bad. He was getting good looks. Um, Johansson as well, I believe, uh, top of my head to a slightly lesser degree, but still the same thing. It's not like these guys had disappeared, um, but the results weren't there. And then you, you want to factor the contracts into it. Obviously, um, I think either one of those guys are going to struggle to live up to what they're being paid. At the end of the day, the fans can care about it, I guess, but you just want the best that those both of those guys can give you. Um, and, and, you know, when Johansson's at his best, he's, he's a force, um, but there's inconsistency there. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't dislike the process with both of those guys and some Preds fans might want to smack me over the head right now if they're not (laughs) thrilled with how they played. But, um, again, larger sample size, if they continue to do those things at the rate they're doing them, it should lead to better results. The Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers. Jaspers. And when I think about football season and I think about football coming soon, Steve, I think about sitting at a neighborhood watering hole, drinking a tall, cool, frosty beverage, eating some piping hot wings and watching football. And that is soon to be here, my friend. 
and Jasper's is the place for you to do it. Coming down on next well, next Thursday night. We we do have week zero college football games. Uh, Nebraska and Illinois, I think, but like whatever. It really Tennessee Volunteers football, for example, gets started next Thursday evening. Uh, Steve Cavendish, you are at Jasper's on Thursday evening, you're, and you're about to sit down and watch football on Thursday night for the opening of college football season. What does Steve Cavendish's perfect meal look like when you are out at a sports bar, Jasper's, watching your team play? I gotta have wings, so I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go red rum uh, roasted wings. And then I love the call poppers uh, at Jasper's. I just can't stop eating them. And matter of fact, I have to push the plate out of my arms length uh, <laughs> in order to prevent, you know, maybe spoiling the rest of my dinner. But it's just, it's just so good. It's just that, you know, the, that tempura cauliflower comes with a little, little pea pesto or a little, little feta cream. There's that red bell kind of stuff you can drag, uh, red bell pepper stuff you can kind of drag through. So that's fantastic. Uh, so, so that's what I start with. And then, and then after that, it sort of depends on the, it sort of depends on the, I've been, I've been in sort of a burger mood recently. Mm, okay. uh, and so, you know, you go, you go like classic on the burger, the, the, the Jasper burger, very good. I, you know, it holds up, holds up well against uh, what yeah. is what I would characterize as staunch burger competition around town. Uh, this, and is then, a good, this is a good burger town and Jasper's burgers are right up there. Yeah, they're really they're, they're they're really good. It's just a class. It's just a straight up classic burger, uh, and or you know if I want to take thirty five minutes off my life, I can do the I can do the dog, <laughs> because it's got the avocado smash on top of it. But uh, it's it's actually a veggie dog. Yeah. Do, do I get minutes back for having the veggies on <laughs> do, top? Uh, and, and what are we drinking? So you got your burger, you got your wings, and you got your collar poppers. What are we drinking? If it's a football game, I, I know that I'm gonna want to. Do something kind of that's gonna. You can't start out too hard. So, uh, <laughs> I, so I'm probably going the Blackberry Farms uh, Classic Saison. It is a near perfect food beer. It just it just blends really well with whatever you're eating. I, I can't do like like you can't do something like too hoppy with with, with food. Some of the like West Coast IPAs uh, that are out there, you like kind of blow your palate out when you're when you're when you're sitting down and you want and you're wanting to enjoy the food. I was, uh, I was about to strongly disagree, but I do agree it needs to be an East Coast or perhaps a Middle Tennessee IPA, perhaps a Middle Tennessee Hazy. There's plenty of those that are served um, at Jasper's. You can also go like Zahn's uh, uh, makes makes a great pale ale, which is just like perfect with food. Uh, you can you can do you can do that, too. It's not it's not overly hopped. So get this, Steve Cavendish. Get this on Thursday nights while you'll be watching Tennessee. You can get a burger and beer for $10. You get a $15 Jasper's burger and an $8 size on for $10. That's, that is, that's less that is, than half price. That Thursday. is madness. That is Thursday. absolute madness. Thursdays, go watch college football. Now, so what's your, what's your menu lineup? What are, you, well, what are you doing here? My menu also has to have I, – I, I ha, wings are my number one go-to Super Bowl – college football national championship my favorite team playing in any sporting event wings got to go with wings so red rum wings i totally agree with you got to go get the red rum wings or the fire or firecracker is good too i then have to have some sort of dips i need dips so you go queso chips and rinds from jaspers their queso look there's a lot of quesos in this city that turn into a big block of of like clogged artery in your gut and they don't stay you know, you know, gooey very long. They, they, they harden up real fast when they're sitting on the table. Not at Jasper's. 
not a Jasper's folks. That queso stays soupy and creamy and delicious and dippable for the entirety of the game. It's fantastic. So I want wings and I want dips. Okay. Those are my first two. Now I normally would go pizza next. Well, guess what? Jasper's has some of that too. They've got flatbreads. They've got a shrimp scampi flatbread. They've got a Hawaiian fried chicken flatbread. And my personal favorite, the Don Antonio prosciutto, fresh mozzarella, Parmesan, baby spinach, some, some bolognese. Oh, I, I love how you just turned into bolognese. Somebody who is like off the boat Italian here. <laughs> mozzarella. To, to, pronounce, to pronounce the ingredients on the Don Antonio. So I want pizza. I want dips and I want wings. And Jasper's has all of that. Uh, and if you do want a burger and a beer on a Thursday, they got an unbelievable deal uh, as well. I, there, there's there's my menu. It's look, they've got great stuff on the menu that you can get, you know, scallops on there. You can get steak and egg. You can get all kinds of good stuff. Not it's not really game food per se. It's more like uh, you know dinner food with the wife. And as far as the cocktails go, of course, order the gold standard, obviously. Um, but again, I'm with you. If I'm watching a football game, I feel like I need to, to drink a beer. I, I feel like I have to have a beer. So give me a bearded iris home style and i'll drink it it's with tough my i'll take it with my wings all of that stuff you can get at jasper's what should people do steve they should go to jasper's you know why it's the next evolution of the sports bar i mean i, I think you know you kind of nailed it like it, it, they're looking for some sort of optimism because they can't get out from under the contract so we sort of have to just like put that to yeah. the side and say, well, all right, what can we reasonably expect from these guys? And 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 a slight uptick in production, I think, is is a fair assumption for especially Matt Duchesne's numbers analytically last year. I think Johansson has shown us that he sort of is just like a 16, 18 goals, 50, 50 assists kind of guy. And, and at his best, that's what he's going to be. And then he can be a, a really physical two-way center in, in the postseason. I think fans are just tr are searching for some semblance, some nugget of optimism for these two guys that, hey, you know what? Maybe they will be a little bit better next season because, to your point, they are stuck with them right now, at least for now. Yeah. Well, uh, I actually just finished putting together my points projecting on off uh, expected goal, expected assist model, um, which gives us expected points for a player next season. So I can give you. Oh, yeah. Matt Duchesne. Um, uh oh, Preds fans, be careful. <laughs> yeah. So looking at the last couple of years, he was, uh, let's see, 0.96 points per game. So almost a point a game down to 0.64, down to 0.38. Um, not a good trend. Uh, I've got him at 51 points next season. So Ooh. I don't know the fans, fans in Nashville would love or hate that, I guess. Um, and again, when you're talking about points projections, you're looking at historical rates and, um, but also some of the process stuff underneath that. Um, uh, yeah, I'll come I back on at the, the end of the year. We'll see if uh, I was close. <laughs> if you told me, if you, if you told Preds fans 20 goals and 35 assists, just hypothetically, mm -hmm. right. I, I, it's one of those where like, you can't be furious, but it's definitely not what you paid for. So, you know, is it enough? I, I don't know. And then you have to start asking questions about the rest of the players around them. Um, and, and that leads me to, to, to Forsberg, which we'll get to in a second. So I, I don't know. I think that's a, I think that's a, uh, that's a pretty fair guess for Matt Duchesne. Um, as, as far as I'm concerned, at least I have no clue how Predators fans would feel about that number. Um, Forsberg's an interesting one because I think Preds fans saw him as finally the guy who's going to be the star forward. They've been looking for, for yeah. 20, for 25 years when he is good, 
he is the most talented offensive weapon I've ever seen in a Predators jersey, minus maybe that one season Paul Correa played. I, I, I think there, he has these moments where he looks like a point-per-game player or even better, but then he has these stretches where he just sort of kind of – you don't know where he's at. And, and I don't – they've got a huge decision coming – to, to either pay him seven, eight, nine million dollars starting at the end of next season or not. So, what what does the data tell us about Forsberg's trends, and can he actually take another step and and become maybe a 80, 90 point per season guy? So that's what you said is really interesting to me because I kind of think along the same lines where you watch him and you're like, this guy's got superstar something is there, right? Um, when he can go on these stretches where and he's such a dynamic player. I mean, he can create goals and score goals in a way that not a lot of guys can do it. Um, and you're just thinking, man, if, what if that was every game? What if that was 80% of games? This, this guy would be above a point a game. Um, like you talk about super, super skilled. Um, you know, he, he's got to show that obviously, if, if we're ever going to believe that that's who he is, that he can be a 90 point guy. Um, uh, yeah, and do it with any kind of regularity. And we, we haven't seen that yet. Now, how much of that is um, team-related? Uh, I don't know. Uh, some inconsistency in the play. Um, you know, areas that he's good. He, he's he's ex- incredibly creative player. He can make, you know, defenders miss, obviously. He's good at getting to, to loose pucks and extending possessions. Um, I, I'm kind of with you, though, where I don't know I don't have a perfect answer. I can't say that his trend line and what I look at and what I value says, yes, breakout is coming. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's got the ability, but until you do it, how do you really know? Right. Yeah. So I, I, I um, quickly on some of the young players last year, I, I felt, you know, I watched it's, it's weird. Cause sometimes like I'm such a stats nerd and I get so, uh, I love the data. I want to have as much of it as, as possible. And then sometimes I just watch a player like Alex Carrier and I see a player and I just go, that dude just has more confidence with the puck on his stick than a guy who's played (laughs) like, like he's played 15 games and he goes into the zone on the top defense pairing against Carolina in the playoffs. And you're going, and he's barreling into the net and you're going, this looks great to me. Like I sure hope hope what I'm seeing matches what sort of the computer science is telling me about a player like that. And some of the other young players for Nashville for that matter as well. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's it for sure. And, uh, um, you know, again, a, a player who, at a, if you level, um, ice time, because, you know, again, who, the guy we're talking about isn't playing, you know, superstar minutes or anything, but if you level ice time and even strength and just look at their rates of how they do different things, um, the guy that can possess the puck, the guy that can win puck battles, get to lose pucks, just kind of be a bit thorny, I guess, in how he plays, but has skill too, right? Like, um, isn't by no means any kind of replacement level player. There's a guy who's got a little bit of skill. So um, yeah, that probably goes in line with what you're talking about or just having guys that um, up and down the lineup can fill a role and be effective for you. Um, he, he's someone I'd be interested to see in a bit bigger of a role, um, what he could potentially do. Cause when you, when you start talking about players um, who don't get the ice time that some other guys get, you can always say, Oh yeah. Well, look at this guy's rates. They're so good. It's like, okay, let's put them in the top six, tougher competition, um, tougher defense pairings and forward groups you're playing against. Will that translate for some guys? There's, there's ways to look at it and try to better understand that. Um, what an exercise I did a year ago with Carter Verhage, who was playing bottom six in Tampa and the information I value and look at, I said, you know what, this guy in a top six role could still do this. And he did it in Florida. 
Um, so th that's part of the evaluation process too, right? Of, of saying Nick Ehlers in Winnipeg is another guy. Paul Maurice has said, I like getting him in some easier matchups because I know how good he is and how much he can take advantage of other teams. Well, he's not getting huge minutes like some other guys. Um, and then that goes into coaching philosophy of how you want to work your guys too. So well, a lot of things to consider, but uh, are there any players with Nashville that stand out like that with you? Cause I mean, they're, they're, they're going to look to ask for more from guy. Like I know we joked before the show about Cody glass, but like Luke yeah. Cunningham is a guy who's a first round draft pick who showed really nice flashes last year. They've got a lot of young sort of bruisers on the bottom in the bottom six. You know, I think Carrier has got a chance to play on the top defense pairing with Roman Yossi. So are there guys on this roster that you think are are sort of well positioned for that and and can handle some of that, or maybe maybe guys that you think aren't prepared for that? I mean, again, I, I know I know you haven't done your deep dive on the Preds, yeah. but I'm just it, are, are there names that stand out to you? I've I've done a bit of work so far on guys that I think have that potential for next season in the league in general. Um, there wasn't anyone I saw with Nashville, but again, I, like I said, I haven't looked specifically at Nashville. Not to say that it can't happen. Um, but there's a few players that I kind of looked at as potential breakout guys um, and uh, none from the Preds, but I'll get, I'll get, I'll get back into the deep dive on Nashville. I can hit you back on that one. <laughs> any, any, any central division names that Predators fans should be terrified of. <laughs> <How about that? laughs> uh, central division names. And, and again, if you haven't published it yet and you haven't released it yet, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I'm not, again, not trying to steal state secrets here. No, no, all good. Next Friday. Um, so not this coming Friday, but next Friday is uh, the uh, analytics show that I do with the NHL Network every year. And we'll have some of those breakout guys on that show. So I'm still kind of working through that. But um, if Preds fans want to you know, see who pops on that list, then there that's where it'll be. There we go. Yeah. See if we can get Philip Tomasino on that list, please. Ellie Tolvin <laughs> maybe as well. Dude, uh, <laughs> I loved watching Tomasino at the uh, at the junior tournament. Um you know, in that tournament, anyways, talk about a guy who was just able to step in and make an impact and um, kind of coach's dream type player. So, and he says for sure in his interviews all the time, and I'm guilty of that too, because I come from the Ottawa Valley and up in Canada. And that's just like, you know, part of how us country folk out there talk, <laughs> but I'm, I'm watching Thomas, you know, and every answer is like, oh, for sure. You know, we got to uh, second period for sure. Just get in there. I'm like, it's my guy right here. <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm telling you, Nashville Predators fans are like over the moon with Tomasino. There's like, he's a top six forward. He's going to be rookie of the year. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of hype for the young guy. But again, if you talk to the coaching staff, the, 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 the Milwaukee Admirals coaching staff, there's, there's no, there's no weak point, man. There's, there's no weak I'm sure point. sure they love him. Yeah. There's no weak point. Uh, how, how does, how does data translate for goaltenders? So like I said before, we're talking with player evaluation. There's not a number I would ever put on a forward or defenseman and say, that gives me everything I need to know. Um, we're not there yet in analytics and hockey. I don't believe not to say you can't get insight by doing it, but you can't just, that's it. Right. Um, goaltending. I think you can a little bit more. And that's by taking a look at the difference between a goalie's expected goals against. So the shot volume, but also the quality of the shots, which isn't just the location, but sequences, right? Like, a uh, a cross ice one-timer from a slot has a high expected goal value probability. Uh, it's a dangerous shot. Um, that's factored into the expected goal model. So what is the expected goals against for that particular goalie? And then what's his actual goals against average? And the difference um, gives you a good measure of isolated goal, goaltending impact. 
So a goalie whose goals against average is two and his expected goals against average is 2.5 tells you that's a good goalie. He's saving his team about half a goal a game on average or a goal every two games based on what the defense is allowing in front of him. I hope I'm explaining that in a way that kind of makes sense. So what I look at is that differential between the expected goals against for a goalie like UC Saros uh, and what his actual goals against average is. UC Saros has outperformed um, uh, in, in this area uh, each of the last three years. So we know that he is saving his team goals. He is playing above what an average goaltender would play if they were in Nashville's net based on what the Preds give up. Long story short, Saros is a really good goalie. Um, <laughs> so I, I looked actually at, uh, I can pull this up real quick because I was just looking at it the other day, but where Saros ranked in terms of his, what we call goal saved above expected. Um, last three years, he was 13th, then ninth, and then sixth this past season in the league and goal saved above expected per 60 minutes. So his average, um, UC Saros, I would say is a top 10 performance wise goalie in the league right now. Now, can he run with it for a full season? Be the number one guy. Um, we'll see if the numbers hold up, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's really good. I can't remember what the number was, but like he, I think he led the NHL in like, I don't know if it was just high danger chances or just, this is where I need Adam Vingen to, to clarify here. I need my editor. Um, but, but I think I want to say he was like, he took the most high danger chances, like directly in the chest, <laughs> you know, like he gets, he gets yeah. into, he gets into position faster than what that tells the average fan is that he's just, he's moving quicker and with more precise movements to get into position better. Like you mentioned a cross ice one timer, you know, UC Saros handles that situation almost better than anybody right now. Yeah. So that, that was from an article I wrote about a year ago. And what I was looking at then, you know, Saros has played pretty well for a while. And um, he's a smaller guy, right? Uh, I think he's listed at 5'11". Uh, pretty sure I asked Adam how tall is he really, and it wasn't 5'11". Nobody's 5'11". 5'10". Yeah. No, nobody's 5'11". So, yeah. I mean, we've all got the buddies growing up that are, you know, I'm six feet. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you're, eh, you're right, 5'10", you're right. but right. close enough, whatever. Right. So uh, he's not a big guy uh, at all. And um, how do you be successful in the highest league in the world if you're not big? You damn well better be good positionally, right? And so one thing I looked at, to, again, a, a proxy, a way to try to understand good positioning with goaltending, yeah, how many scoring chances are hitting you in the chest? Are you squaring up to? Um, ran this by a friend of mine, Jamie McLennan, who played in the league for a long time, was a goalie coach as well. He, he you know, saw it the same way I did, uh, ran the numbers. And in terms of the percentage of, uh, scoring chances that hit a goalie in the chest last year, um, when I looked at this, he was number one in the league. Now you can get into how repeatable is this, et cetera, whatever. It was a fact. This is what has happened in that year. Um, and you see Saros, if you watch him, his, his feet are elite and how he moves in the net and how he can square up the pucks. And if he wasn't that good at that size, he, I don't think, I think he'd be in the league or he certainly wouldn't be having the yeah. kind of success he's having, right? You have to be that good um, in terms of your lateral movement in the net if you're that size. And he is. So if you're a fan, you know, where, where, what does this all mean? If you're a fan watching the games, watch how he moves in the net from his feet, popping up into position, squaring up onto shots. Um, and the more shots that hit you in the chest, the more that drop right in front of you and you're covering up. So those are the kind of things I'd watch for with Saros and kind of help explain why he's as good as he is. It, Mike, you've been super, super grateful, uh, gracious with your time. And we are very grateful. And, and um, I just would love 
to sort of step back from all the analytics for a second and just say, because you you alluded to the Preds being in the middle, and Adam and I talk all the time about that being the worst sort of place to be because they've never been bad enough to get the Jonathan Taves and the Patrick Canes of the world and the Austin Matthews of the world, but they've never been good enough other than one year, maybe two, to sort of be considered a favorite to win the whole thing. Yeah, I, I probably... guess there might be one thing that's worse. Okay. If you're a bad team that's just always bad. <laughs> and there's true. a couple examples I'm sure you can think of. Teams that do bottom out and get a high picks and still don't go anywhere. You, you, I, I don't, don't know. want maybe, to be those teams. Maybe maybe in upstate New York, I'm not saying. Um, Perhaps. We'll <laughs> Perhaps. So just your we'll leave you. I want to leave you with this. Just your general sense of where this franchise is, the direction they are headed. You know, soft reset, competitive rebuild, whatever buzzwords you want to use. Uh, you know, they're probably a bubble playoff team this year. Where? How do you see the Nashville Predators currently as they are constructed? I'm with you. I see them as a bubble playoff team that likely won't pose much of a threat to um, the kind of team they would face if they do get in for this year. Um, going for, you know, so David Poyle's track record is, is terrific. One of the most respected GMs in the league. Um, he, he certainly understands what it takes to win. Um, and I think he's, he's, he's made some nice moves. John Hines, I think is a terrific coach. Um, following his NHL career. I think he gets a lot out of teams that he coaches. Uh, where are they going forward? You know, younger pieces will come in. And, and I think, you, as you kind of alluded to, there's room for movement in the lineup if certain guys can step up and grab a role or a spot. Um, and that can help. But right now, yeah, I see them as kind of stuck in that middle ground of, you know, where are we? What's our identity? Um, uh, I don't know if... I wouldn't even suggest yet, you know, you got to bottom out to be good again um, because there's such good pieces that are, are there that a few shrewd moves can can pop you up and um, some younger guys come in and, and, you know, do well. It might not be that far off, but we got to see what happens uh, because there, I'm sure there's some fans right now thinking, you know, whatever, let's just, let's bottom out. Let's just do what we got to do. We got to get back up to the top again. Um, I would trust David Poyle. I would trust John Hines, the people in Nashville to be able to see more of a reset through. Um, Cause like I say, there's one of the top defensemen in the world, a really good goalie. Um, still some other solid pieces, Forsberg, you know, Duchesne Johansson. Duchesne Johansson might not be your prototypical number one center, even number two center, um, but they're good players. So if you're not going to win with a true number one center or a, a elite scoring winger, uh, you do it a little more, uh, more by committee. And, you know, it's, it's not as difficult to come by the guys that can help you in that way as it is by drafting a generational superstar. Mike, you've been very gracious. Thank you so much for giving us all this insight. Uh, of course, I think, I think people that listen to our show are fans of what you guys do. And uh, I think the game is better off because of it. And, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving us some time today. We really appreciate it. Hey, happy to do it. And uh, I'll, I'll get all my research done before the season and uh, get back to you on some of those questions I wasn't able to answer today. So, yes, I want a full makeup of Cody Glass, please. I need to know everything about Cody Glass. I can do that. Sounds good. Thank you, Mike. That was Mike Kelly, of course, from Sport Logic. I, I really hope you guys enjoyed that. He, he is uh, obviously one of the outward facing members of that team that gets to talk about players and. And, and, and sort of teams through the media, they obviously have a private business proprietary information that they distribute to the teams and to the coaches. They have been extremely successful and interesting sort of learning how it got started, 
how it works, what the most important statistics are to know and to understand how they work, and then how those are applied to the Nashville Predators. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, if you want to send some well wishes to Adam Vingan and uh, on becoming a new father, uh, he may be back next week. I'm not sure. We shall see. Uh, but, of course, he's got some big stuff going on in his life, so I, you know, no need to be here hanging out with us on the pod. Mike Kelly did a wonderful job. So thank you guys all for listening, of course. Make sure you go to Jasper's because the Gold Standard is brought to you by, the, by Jasper's. You can drink a Gold Standard cocktail. You can have a blast because the happy hours are great and the parking is free. So go check it out, Jasper's over on West End. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Please share the show, rate, review, and subscribe. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.